Eventually, one day I'll figure out how to do the sound on the show. Welcome to That's Deep Row, Serious Questions with Silly People. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. It's back. It's back to Pajitsky, guys. It's a new... Uh... <laughs> so funny. I love the intro um, that the, this to the show. I, every time I hear that guy, I go, what in the fuck are we doing here? It makes me laugh because like I, that's from a, news, a newscast, like from some local news guy. And uh, and I guess it was a day where he was covering like like rain, and he was like, "Yeah, shit's raining. It's just raining. Still gonna rain. Gonna rain tomorrow." I guess the question is, what in the fuck are we doing here? Like it was a it was a pointless thing for him to be covering, which is it's just so funny that he that he cursed on national, not even national television, like local television. You know, you know that he got an ass load for it. You know that his boss was not happy about that. He definitely got a talking to, if he has a job. Anyways, welcome. Hi. Thank you for joining. Uh, lots to cover. Firstly, foistly, I, I would like to put a call out um, to you guys, to you, the listeners. Is there anybody out there that can design a tour poster for me? I want like a drawing, a drawing, a drawing poster like a cool one like original art um i'm putting together a tour of one-nighters and i would love to have a a wonderful promotional poster so email me if that's something that you'd be interested in doing that's deep bro podcast at gmail.com email me also um may 27th may 28th i will be at the la jolla comedy store doing stand-up comedy live come see me there i will have uh, the full charge with me aka your baby's daddy aka the concierge that also use my amazon banner i implore you when you're doing your shopping on amazon it just kicks back a little bit of change from every purchase that you make uh how you do that is you go to that click on the banner at the bottom of every post and just do your shopping as you normally would and like i said it just helps the show so here we are again during my baby's nap time. I think we should change this podcast to when my baby naps. <laughs> uh, El Chapo is sleeping and I have stolen an hour away to talk to you. Um, and man, I've been reading this book. I have been for like the last few weeks by Michael Singer. Michael Singer. Um, it's called The Surrender Experiment. Uh, It's the second book of his, the first one, I can't remember the title right now, but I've referenced it before. Uh, And um, what a wonderful book. I tell you, I love this guy, Michael Singer, because, you know, all the great traditions, um, it's, it's all one truth. They're all trying to convey more or less the same information to you. Just different, different, you know what I'm saying? Different voices. It basically, it's same shit, different toilet. The toilet being... Uh, the universal truth. What is that truth? I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out in the next hour. But I really like the way uh, this guy writes. It's very cogent. It's very straightforward. There's not a lot of, um, you know, airy-fairy, bullshitty language of like, you know, and then you have to get into the vortex and find the astral planes of which exist, like, blah, 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 blah. There's not a lot of that where you're like, what, what, what's a vortex? What are you talking about? I love Abraham Hicks, by the way. If you know that reference, it's Abraham Hicks, who is a woman um, named Esther Hicks and her husband, Jerry, who's now passed, but she channels Abraham, who's a spirit. And then Abraham tells us truths of existence. It's so wacky. And it took me so long to get into it. Um, but even, and like, I, I love that stuff, but like I said, they're all trying to convey the same truth 
And uh, I just, I really like the way Michael Singer approaches it. He's very, very, you can tell he's a gentle ponytail man. Um, he's a hippy dippy guy with sandals and a ponytail. And I just love that. So also very exciting. I asked you guys to send me uh, music of this era, music that people are listening to now. And I absolutely fell in love with Courtney Barnett. So thank you for that recommendation. Um, all right, let's kick it off with uh, Courtney. I thought, what a cool chick. She's like Australian, so she talks all funny. <laughs> okay, here she is. All right, let's, let's get deep on it, bros. Are you ready? You, got, you take your bong hit. You got your glass of wine. Are you cleaning the house? Are you doing your errands? One person told me they listened to me in the hospital. Are we all, are we all settled in? Is everybody tucked in? Okay, let's do it. Let's get, let's get deep. It's uh, reminiscent of the 90s. <laughs> Do you like that? How I, I ask for current music only to enjoy things that are still of the decade that I um, enjoy. But I, I really like her. She's like uh, Courtney Barnett. She seems very bright. She's kind of a chunky brunette, which I love chunky brunettes. I think I'm a natural brunette somewhere. And uh, yeah, it's deep. I like it, bros. Thank you. Thank you for the suggestion. So uh, I kind of wanted to open on... This email that I received, which is what we often do because uh, they stick to me. Sometimes I read these things and then they bounce around in my consciousness. And last night I was thinking about this girl who wrote in and I couldn't sleep. It's like, uh, you know, you just, you get stuck on, on thoughts. And so here we go. Uh, I don't want, I don't know if I should say that. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. I'm writing uh, to you, hoping you can give me some advice as I feel like I need advice from someone who's completely uninvolved in my life. Uh, Okay. And that's always a good thing. Uh, I'm a 25 year old lady person who graduated college a year ago. Good for you. Congratulations. Uh, I think that's about the age I graduated. (laughs) I've been working at an architecture firm as a designer, which is what I went to school for, for about a year, but I would like to explore other fields in design because I just don't exactly know what I want to do. When I told my parents that I would like to explore some options in the design field, the initial reaction was pretty negative, uh, which is unexpected since my parents have always been very supportive of whatever I've wanted to do and never told me that I couldn't do anything. That seems weird. 
They basically said they felt like I was behind in life and seemed pretty fucking worried. I guess I can see where they are coming from as my parents are more used to a traditional step-by-step formula on life. They envisioned me graduating college and then going into a firm I would stay in for a couple years to create a strong foundation in order for me to move into a more high-paying position. I mean, it's worked for them, so why wouldn't it work for me? But my reasoning is that my parents worked so hard so that I could grow up having more opportunities than they had, and to limit myself to just one thing that may not make me happy seems like such a waste of all their hard work. But I know they're coming from a place of love and just want me to be taken care of. Do you think I should just pick one thing and stick with it? Am I really behind in life? I personally don't think so, but my parents and I are really close, and I totally respect their opinion, which is why I think it's affecting me more than it should. Okay. (laughs) She goes, I hope your jeans are tight as ever. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, bro. Oh, it's always a tough one. It sounds like your parents are cool people. It sounds like you uh you got lucky in life and that they were supportive and cool and and now now why the change, right? And uh I get it. Look, as a parent, uh I I totally get it. The thought of Ellis growing up and not having it all figured out and having to struggle and, and having to be confused or broke is terrifying to me. Uh cuz you want your, you want the best. You know, I, the, the other day I was planning with Tom how we were going to teach him never to take drugs. I was like, do I just tell him that drugs are for losers? Is that what keeps kids off drugs? And he's like, no, nah, that's what my parents did. It didn't work. I'm like, do I lie? Do I just tell him that I never did drugs? And then maybe he'll be like, I want to be like cool like mom, <laughs> which is something no child has ever said ever. Um. You want you want better for your children. I, I get that, but listen, boo boo, it's your life. And twenty five, my God, you're you're nowhere near behind. And um, it's it's so interesting because we have these notions of like where I should be because of a chronological number, what I should be doing, and uh, I just I don't prescribe to it. I don't believe in it. As as I discussed last week uh, in the regret episode, I think so many people get hung up on well, I've done this thing and now I can't possibly change course. I can't uh, do this other thing because I've invested so much here. Why, you know, it would be throwing it away or maybe, I don't know, I'm supposed to be doing something else. And I just, I don't, I really, it, it's, a, it's a really, it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself um, to think that because of a decision you made in your early 20s, you should have to stay the course, even though, you know, frankly, most people I know from the beginning of their twenties change drastically. You're such a different person by the time you're 30, um, to, to lock yourself in at 20 something is just like, I mean, unless it's your real calling, you got to do a lot of work to figure out what that calling is. And part of that is trying on different outfits, trying on different identities, trying on different things. And it doesn't sound like what you want to do is all that different. I mean, it says you're a design person. Yeah. Architecture firm is a designer right? Other fields in design. So you're still staying in design. It's not like you're like, Hey, I had this degree in design and I'm going to go be a firefighter, mom and dad, or I'm going to go be a ninja. You're like, no. Um, you know, I hate to tell you to tell your parents, sorry, bros, it's my loss. Uh, my, uh, my life. Um, I said loss cause I was reading and my loss is your subject is really sweet. Uh, no, uh, listen, Wayne Dyer, St. Dyer, who's now passed on into the next realm, uh, said that the key to success in life, listen to me, I'm fucking quoting Wayne Dyer. Who am I? Who have I become? Jesus Christ. Jesus fucking Christ. But here's the point. Uh, it's, it's a good thing because he talks about going against the good opinion of others. Going against the good opinion of others. Even people who who seemingly want the best for you, uh, and they might. They actually really might. You can't. You just can't follow. You can't do it. You know what I mean? There's, um, for instance, okay, here's what I mean. When you're a stand-up comic, at least for me, in the very beginning, when I was a feature act, I felt the pressure of having to kill all the time. You know, I was doing these shitholes up and down Florida, 
and I'm a woman, so I felt like this pressure to be super funny all the time and kill, 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 kill. I wanted to win, 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 and I wanted everyone to love me, and I wanted to, you know, be asked back to the same shithole, God knows why, and um, I wanted to be successful. So I thought, you know, at first, when you're coming in, you write material from the outside in, you think to yourself, well, well what's going to work? What's going to get a laugh uh, is what you think at first. Um, and so I wrote jokes that like objectively maybe were funny, but then, you know, now I'd rather kill myself than, than do those sets because like you realize that it's, yeah, okay, maybe objectively it's funny, but it's not funny to you. And there comes a point, at, at least there came, I should just make this about me in my, my life. Well, there came a point in my life where, like, I would rather fucking, I don't know, I would rather do Pilates, which to me is, like, the worst thing on the planet, than do the old jokes. I would rather run a marathon, which sounds like the worst fucking thing besides Pilates, than do those jokes because they weren't me and it didn't fit. And every time I would get on stage and try to do this horse shit, uh, it just didn't fit. And I remember I went through phases where I like I wore a dress on stage because I thought that's what would make me funnier. I would wear my hair a certain way. And, you know, eventually you're like, all right, this doesn't matter. All the external shit doesn't matter. What matters is, does it work for you? Because you're the only one that has to wake up every morning. You know, when you wake up and you're like, ah, shit, another day, right? Like Courtney Barnett. <laughs> another day, another useless day. How am I going to spend this time? You know, you're born, you die, and then there's all this time in between. You may as well fill it up with stuff you like. And you're going to break your parents' heart no matter what. Here's the sad part. I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to break their hearts eventually. You know, either you're going to be gay or come out as non-binary or you're going to be polyamorous or they're going to find out you smoke dope in high school or you're going to date a guy that they don't like. You're going to do tons of shit your parents don't agree with and you can't live for them. You can't. You just can't. And that's part of, that's normal. That's part of the process of growing up is uh, having that real realization that you can't live for your parental approval, the parents' approval. You can't. It's, it's impossible. I remember for years I tried to get my mother's approval. Fucking years. Same with my dad. Same with my dad. You know, I, hold on, I got to write this idea down. I almost forgot. So anyway, uh, for years I tried getting my dad's approval. My mom, my mom's crazy. She's dead now. But yeah, she was never going to give it to me because she fucking hated me. Let's be honest. In her heart of hearts, in her borderline crazy schizophrenic heart, she was resentful of me, jealous of me envious whatever the fuck crazy shit she had going on she was never going to give it to me um now my dad was like okay he's saner i mean yes he sunbathes in the nude um when my friends come over but is that is that a reason to condemn a man okay so what if he drinks a 12 or after work every day and watches television tells me to go play on the freeway is that such a bad parent Maybe he wanted me to learn about life, which is why we went to bars. Maybe I was learning stuff uh, when he took me to Club Med when I was 12. Maybe me dancing in discotheques at night on school nights in third grade. That was all part of the parenting plan, the positive parenting plan. So, you know, for many years I tried to get his approval too. I thought I thought maybe if I became a successful comedian, that would do it. Or maybe if I made enough money or maybe if I married the right guy or had a kid or X, Y, Z, all these things. And I had this epiphany when my mother finally passed it. Look, I'm never going to get the approval from her. And uh, I don't need anybody's approval anymore. <laughs> Which is around the time, you know, you, you have these realizations slowly. They don't really, it doesn't happen overnight. I don't know if it happens in your 20s, you're blessed. That's like, you're far ahead of the game. Uh, for me, it happened pretty recently, I'd say, in my, my late 30s, where you just the thought of being somebody else or doing things for other people in the name of other people, rather pleasing, makes you want to vomit. Um, by the way, uh, sidebar, my father actually was really dazzled with me because about two weeks ago, he calls me 
And I'm like, look at the baby. And he's like, yeah, anyways, I'm on the internet. I'm on this Wikipedia. I'm like, yeah, I know. Everybody knows that one, Dad. Anyways, I'm looking up famous Hungarians because that's all he does is look up famous Hungarians because that's all that matters to him is for some reason what Hungarians have done in the world. I don't know how many times I've had to hear Tom Selleck. You know Tom Selleck? Yes. Well, Tom Selleck actually his real last name is Selekash. He's Hungarian. I'm like, I know, I know. Liszt, you know Liszt? That guy's a piano player. He's famous. He's also Hungarian. Okay. So he calls me. He doesn't want to look at his uh, grandkid, of course. And he goes, you know, I'm looking at Wikipedia. I'm looking at a list of famous Hungarians. Guess who's there? Guess who's there? I go, I don't know, Dad. He goes, you. Christina Pajinski is a famous Hungarian on Wikipedia. You know who else is Hungarian? Drew Barrymore. I'm like, I had no idea, Dad. He was so pleased that for some ridiculous reason someone on had put me as a famous hungarian on the internet and now i'm validated (laughs) it only took 40 years to get my father's approval and from something he perceived as being valuable do you see what i'm saying that's what i'm saying it's all it's all relative and i I don't fault the guy that's what he likes that's what and by the way i love my dad i have nothing I accept him and I love him. I have nothing but but love and um, forgiveness and admiration for his horrible existence that he came from in Hungary and the life that he's built in this country. It's pretty fucking miraculous. But uh, but that being said, do you see what I'm saying? They validate the stuff that makes sense to them. Doesn't make sense to you. Makes sense to them. So if you're always living to please the other, if you're always living for somebody else you're never making them happy it's just like this whole bullshit pc movement you know uh where everybody's fucking feelings are hurt and and now somebody gets fired or some comedian has to apologize for a joke because some obscure group some fucking tribe in in the middle of idaho is offended that you made a joke about indians or what (sighs) so retarded don't apologize never fucking apologize (laughs) Uh, yeah, you can't live for other people. The point is, is that you're always going to offend somebody because if somebody's looking to be offended, they're going to be offended. But that's a whole other tangent. You can't live for other people. So Michael Singer, this book, The Surrender Experiment, you got to read this or listen to it on Audible. I'm pretty sure it's the Audible's got everything. You know, I'm reading this book and I'm like, ah, in the beginning, I've read all these books. Okay, I've read. The Diary of the Yogananda Pakapakadarka. I've read, you know, Eckhart Tolle, The Adorable Little Hobbit. I've read, uh, I've read Dr. Laura. I have read uh, Heidegger, Nietzsche. I've, re- I've read all this stuff, okay? And the only stuff that really makes sense to me I, now as an adult is this Eastern stuff because, you know, the West, I don't know. I don't know if we've got it all right. I think the early Western philosophers did. I think, uh, you know, the Greeks were close to rational, sane thought, you know, like Parmenides. What is it? No one's, no man. I think only men got to do this. But no man steps in the same river twice, change. Flux, the only thing that's constant is change and it's flux. And, and to me, that seems really practical and I really, uh, I really like that. So the Surrender Experiment is uh, written by this ponytailed hippie dude. I mean, right now he is in the book because it's in the 70s. I haven't finished it yet, so <laughs> no spoiler alert. <laughs> so it talks about his falling in love with meditation and... Uh, and his fascination with the voice in his head. And for those of you who are like, what voice in my head? That's the voice I'm talking about. The one that talks to you all the time. Uh, the one that informs you of what's happening. The one that resists what's happening. The one that criticizes what's happening. The one that tells you you're fat, too old. That 25 is somehow <laughs> too old to change your life or 25 you're somehow behind which is retarded because let me tell you miss 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 writer of that email um unless i mean do you live somewhere crazy like arkansas where 25 is too old um and you might i don't know some you know in these places like 
by the time you're 25, you're supposed to own a home and have five kids and be married. And, you know, where I grew up in LA, it's just not that way. I got married at 32. Uh, I had a kid at 39. So it's never too late. It's never too, even, even, you know, I said in the last episode, even having a child, there's a timestamp. Yes, there is. But just a bio kid, you can, you can adopt you can pay someone else to have that baby for you, which I highly recommend. You know what I'm saying? I wish I have fucking done that. Jesus Christ. Instead of these sogger tits that I have, my my body looks like, um, I look like, my tits look like Jonah Hill's right now. It's just unbelievable. My fucking Frankenstein vagina, it's sewed up. Oh, oh my God, I'm fatter than I've ever, the point is, you can hire someone else um, to have your baby. You can adopt. It, oh, even that. Even that. And I, I, I shouldn't have said that because I, I regret saying that. I don't think it's necessarily true. Anyways, there's that horrible voice inside of your head. And who is that? Is that you? Yes and no. Because it's, it's not the essence of you. It's not you, you, you. The real you. It's the chattering you, right? It's the ego. And what is the ego? It's uh, made up of messages that you got in life, made up of your parents, made up of teachers, made up of the religious institutions you may have grown up in, however scarring those may have been. I know a lot of people um, come from religious upbringings that maybe you feel like you can't break away from. You know, all of these restraints, by the way, is... uh, (laughs) Really, what's the fear? Okay, the fear is, look, I'm going to go against tradition. I'm going to go against my parents. I'm going to go against my religion. I'm going to go against society. I'm going to I'm gonna do something that's going to piss somebody off. And they're not going to like me very much. And for some people, that is, you know, paramount to death. That's a fate worse than death to be disliked, uh, to have people mad at you. And I totally get that. I think for many years I had that fear of of not being liked, of not being loved. Oh, dear. Do you hear that? Oh, okay, there it goes. And that's part two of the good opinion of others is uh, you can't control how they're going to think and you certainly can't control their reaction. And you have to anticipate that, yeah, you're going to piss some people off when you lead your life the way you want to. Um piss them off or just it's them dealing with them <laughs> what it's their problem you know with this parent issue with my email are the the problems with them boo boo not with you why would anybody begrudge somebody for wanting to fulfill their heart's desire that's you know and i get it I, I, as a parent believe me but it's uh it's their problem with wanting to control you that's all it is it's a control issue which, by the way, did you know we have very little control over anything? <gasps> so there's this voice in your head, the ego, and the ego tells you all kinds of lies. Oh, it lies to you all day, every day. It assesses things. It tells you you can't do certain things, that you're too old, that you're um, uneducated. You weren't formally educated, so you can't do this and that, that uh, you're not the right color, you're not the right size, you're not the right whatever. Uh, and then there's the real you, the idea uh, that there's consciousness that is without chatter. And how do we access that place? It's by meditation. And I know a lot of people are like, I love the idea of it, but how do I do it? It's so, it, it's easy and it's not easy, if that makes sense. And I I do it, I try to do it as often as possible. And um, you can just sit sit quietly and just shut your eyes and sometimes a, a mantra as they say mantra helps you can think of a word oh my god did you hear that what is going on snap crackle pop uh, a mantra you know whatever words you like to say or you know and your brain's gonna wander your mind's gonna wander just bring it back that's all you do you just bring it back to trying to be still trying to just be still and in that stillness you kind of uh that's where the real answers come from. See, I can tell you what to do with your life, emailer. But the truth is, you're the only one that knows the answers. And uh, by the way, the education system, the television, the advertisers, me, everyone's going to tell you the right way to do things. 
and there's only one right way, and that's the way you fucking think about it, right? That's your, it's your, it's just your life, and and uh, you have all the answers. You have all the answers. Believe me, and you knew what I was going to say when you asked me, right? That's why you asked me my opinion, my advice, because you knew what I was going to say. What I was going to say is do do what your heart tells you to do, and there's a reason people say the heart not the brain, right? <laughs> do do what your heart tells you because the heart, the heart chakra, the center of whatever. I don't know which fucking chakra. I think it's a heart chakra, right? Ch- do I say it even right? Ch- chakra, your chakras. Oh, I hate all that stuff. It's so embarrassing. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't go full tilt into this stuff. You know, it's just, it's too, it's too wacky. But yeah, but they call it a heart chakra because it's. It's not of the mind. The mind is a vicious, sinister cobra. But the thing is, is that it's not the enemy. I don't mean to, mean to sound like you have to make peace with all these thoughts too. Because I think in my past, I've always tried to just not have the bad thoughts. That doesn't work either. <laughs> That's not going to help you. If you don't have the bad thoughts, then you end up acting out in other ways, like drinking every night. Mm, I think I used to do that. Starting fights with people for no reason. Oh, I think I used to do that. Um, you know, you act out. You'll, you'll ruin. You'll find a way to sabotage yourself somewhere else. So the key is to have peace, make peace with the uh, bad thoughts, rather to notice them coming and going. They come in, they go out. And I've been less interested in my own drama lately after reading this book because then you kind of go okay here it is here comes the drama I, I just got some drama a couple days ago i got a phone call uh that i think about a year ago would have really upset me because you know you get these phone calls right oh here it comes here comes the judgment here comes the mind telling you what a catastrophe this bad this piece of bad news is how you're never going to get what you want how uh, you're not talented enough, how this is, a, this is a disaster, it's never going to end up okay, everything's horrible, oh, everything's horrible. <laughs> my mind goes there. Oh, I go deep on it. My, my hole goes all the way down the well, the fucking darkness. Oh, I'm dark. The inside is so dark, bros. Oh, <laughs> so dark. <laughs> man you know and i think for many years i've tried to conceal uh the darkness and there's just no way you know i i've i've for fucking years especially in stand-up tried to be a tried to be a little happier than i was or fuck that it's i can't do it anymore see it makes me want to vomit to even try to be somebody i'm not uh i can't the point is meditation gets you clear it gets you to a place where your decisions are not coming from hysteria or from fear or from um, fear of disappointing your parents or you don't hear the voice of uh, mom and dad or, or your teachers or whoever it is. Meditation gets you to where it's just quiet and if you ask the right questions, the answers will come. And I know no one teaches you that in school. In fact, they teach you to rely on uh, teachers. You're supposed to rely on everybody else because you're not capable. I think that's what they teach, right? At least in my generation. I don't know. Maybe they fucking some new hippie thing. I know that they don't, uh, they don't call it grade 12 or third grade because that's pejorative. Um, my friend sends her child to a school where they say group one and group two and group three as opposed to grade one two and three fucking kill me could you imagine i can't even imagine i can't even i can't even stand it and this generation's doomed fucking doomed nobody can have hurt feelings for two seconds that's the problem we're also afraid of hurting people's uh fucking feelings can you believe this shit my, my feelings are hurt, so you need to apologize. My feelings are hurt, so you need to stop what you're doing so my feelings can be better. <laughs> so fucking retarded. <laughs> oh, boy, it's scary. Okay. Okay. So, um, all right, we discussed that meditation stuff. And I, for some reason, the way this guy Michael Singer says it makes so much more sense to me. <clears throat> oh, and he talks about life unfolding, going with the flow, 
which I never understood. You know, Oprah and her cronies would always say this horse shit, like paddle downstream. And I'm like, well, does that mean just not doing anything? Like then how you're not, if you're not doing anything, then it's not, you're not, then how are you just supposed to let life happen to you? And, um, and I don't think that's entirely. And I think what it is is like, you know, don't make the phone call unless it comes from a place of like real excitement and inspiration. Don't do it just because your ego tells you, I have to do this. I have to do that. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, lately, look, with this baby jeans, my life has become really reprioritized. And by that, I mean, I mean, I'm lucky I'm in a position that my husband makes a lot of money that, that supports us and I don't have to do all of the shit that I used to do. Thank God. Uh, and I, I don't do all the shit that people want me to do anymore. And it's fucking amazing. And I know it's a privileged position to be in, like, I'm just saying like now if I choose to do something, I can feel the difference and like, oh yeah, I'd love to do that and really mean it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd love uh, to go to Anchorage, Alaska in January, said nobody. That's fucking terrible. Um, But you know what I'm saying? I can turn those things down and it go, go, yeah, thank God, you know, I don't have to do everything. Then I thought to myself, what if I had had the courage to work this way before I probably wouldn't have because I was so afraid, but what if I had the courage of just doing things that really inspired me? What would happen? How would things change for me? Because I can tell you right now, and I mean this, that the less efforting I put into shit, the better it is. And it's weird. It's counterintuitive. But the less effort, effort, pushing, doing, going that I'm putting towards stuff, it's just the better, the better it's gotten. That's so weird. Um, and I think part of that too is, um, which this book talks about is serving other people and being in a, a place of like, how am I helping others? It's not just about me. And, you know, for all this time I spend meditating and trying to get out of my own head, you know, what has been the best for that, <laughs> uh, raising a baby because I don't have a fucking minute to think about me, 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 whoa, 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 boo, hoo, hoo. What's the ego telling me? And I do, I do, I still do. Don't get me wrong. But the thought doesn't have time to marinate as long. I don't have enough time to get caught up in my own drama because I have to care for this other being. And wow, talk about a fucking deep ass uh, spiritual path. The the gift of parenthood in a, in a weird way is that you get over your own bullshit you you actually get deeper into your own bullshit and then ironically out of the superficial stuff. So all the horse shit that, that bothered you a year ago, it doesn't even touch me as much. It still does, just not as much. And then all the really deep shit. <laughs> all the doozies actually come out, you know. All the resentment you have towards your own parents, all the stuff you wish you had in your childhood, all the dark shit comes out, all the meaningful stuff comes up. <laughs> And now that phone call doesn't seem to matter so much. That's the the joy of parenting. Man, I don't know why people don't tell the truth about this stuff, you know. I don't think people talk about it. I know women certainly don't. They say bullshit. Challenging. It's just so parenting is so challenging. Challenging. (laughs) Yoga is challenging. Sticking to a diet, that's challenging. You know, holding in a fart during a massage, that's challenging, but parenting is, you want to, you want to twist your soul, man, become a parent and shit's fucking deep, bro. So there we go. Um, yeah, I just lost my, my mind there for a minute. Okay. Okay. Getting centered. So anyways, um, I've been really noticing that stuff this week. Like I've been watching my thoughts more so than experiencing and living, living the drama of them. Uh, and I did something so fucking weird yesterday that like I never do. I never do this. And I've never felt, um, I think here's the crux is that I never felt entitled to do this before, but I, I got my eyebrows did yesterday. I got my eyebrows fleeked. Uh, that's what the kids are saying. I got my eyebrows fleeked and I was uh, talking to my eyebrow fleeker. She's fucking amazing. Um, dude, she was telling me her crazy life story. 
about her childhood and you're like, wow, I thought I had all the, uh, the ace cards. This, this woman had just crazy life. And I'd never spoken to her really before like that. You know, we always kept it kind of professional, but something, something opened her up to me yesterday and it was, or was it the day before? No, it was yesterday. And you know, when someone just says some crazy shit to you and you're like, that was awesome. I'm so glad I know that about you now. I like you so much more. So I got my brows fleeked, which is so important. You know, if your eyebrows are jacked up, everything else is jacked up. You got to spend money. There's, there's a few things you spend your money on, okay? Spend your money on getting your hair done right. If you fuck up your hair, nothing is right. Wait, you spend money on shirts, right? You spend money on shoes and all this other stuff. Why wouldn't you put the money in your hair? That's something you wear every day. It kills me when people have shitty hair, shitty haircuts. Fucking spend the money and your brows. I mean, I, I can't believe for so many years I was walking around uh, with these jacked up eyebrows. Now I go to this fancy place and I spend just a little, just a little more than I'm, you know, than is rational. But man, it just changes your face, especially when you're an older broad. You got you to gotta maintain. You know, it takes a team of people to maintain us older broads. You got to have somebody who does your, your face, your facial, because your skin's got to look good. You got someone that does your hair. You got someone that knows uh, what bra to put you in. Go to Nordstrom. Get measured. Have that fucking Nordstrom lady measure your tits and do it right. I, I met a nun the other day who had the hangiest flappers I have ever seen. Now, I have big hangers too, big swingers. I got huge swinging tits. And uh, I met this nun who had the fucking hangiest, most enormous tits I had ever seen. And you know when they become like a whole soggy shelf and then there's just like a sliver of space between her tits and I could kind of see it through her shirt, you know? And I was like, dude, let me help you. Like, I kind of I wanted to be like, sister, I know this is inappropriate, but can I take you to Nordstrom and you can meet my lady and like she can measure you and we could get you fitted? You got it. You got to pay for a bra. Fucking hell. A nice bra. Like a good one. Okay. It is imperative because your whole, your whole life will change with a better bra. Underwear. Imperative. Get underwear you like, for God's sakes. You only live once. And socks. Get cute socks. I had I have these great socks on I got from Target. It says pugs, not drugs. <laughs> pugs, not drugs. And it makes me happy every day when I put these dumb socks on my feet. And your teeth. Don't fuck around. Take care of your teeth. Always. Get them nice. Whiten them. Fucking whiten them. Not that bullshit strips that you buy at Rite Aid. I mean like professional. Spend $150, go to the fucking dentist, have them make the trays, and then you put the bleach in there and it hurts. But the pain lets you know that it's working. The burn lets you know that your teeth are going to be nice and white. Because white teeth, that's you look great. Okay? Not too white. Don't don't go crazy. Don't get those Steve Harvey fucking veneer billboard crazy person teeth. Don't do that. That is psychotic. People in LA have that and you just look like a crazy person. God. Do I have to tell you everything? <laughs> Anyways, I went into Neiman Marcus of all places. I you know, I parked there because of my brow place. They only have street parking. But I know Neiman Marcus, I can just park there and then sneak away. I mean, but listen, have I ever been into a Neiman Marcus in my whole white trash existence? Fuck no. Oh, dude, my dad's a forklift mechanic. Do you really think I ever shopped? And I don't shop at Neiman Marcus. I find it morally uh, offensive. I can't, I could never bring myself to spend, God, it's like it's unethical to spend that much on clothing of all things clothing is the cheapest thing in america uh you know we get our clothing from sweatshops that made by little chinese children or or afghani kids or whatever fucking uh indian bangladeshi kids and it's cheap because of that and that's why i live here so that i can go to the gap or old navy and i get the same looking stuff it's cheaper you know it all changes every season i, I just don't understand why clothing costs two hundred dollars why is a shirt two hundred dollars out of your mind are you out of your fucking mind? So 
I went into Neiman Marcus. I never do it. And I tell you, my mind was going crazy. You know, I found myself justifying my existence in there. Like, who do you think you are inside of Neiman Marcus? They know what you are. You're an imposter. You're just a fucking Euro trash trying to pass off. I was wearing like slip on sketchers that I wore like eight months pregnant because I couldn't even bend over to tie my shoes. And I, I was wearing my sketchers and like fucking old Navy jean jacket and like, Oh, I looked like hell. I didn't even brush my hair that morning yesterday. That morning it was yesterday. And I'm walking through and I'm, I've never seen a pair of, um, What's that shoe that Sarah Jessica Parker wears in Sex in the City? Oh, Manolo Blahniks. I've never actually seen a pair of those. And I thought, well, I'm going to go look at and just and just see. Let's see what the hoopla is about Manolo Blahnik. And I don't wear heels. I just, I always feel like, uh, I always feel like a dog wearing, um, a dog wearing snow boots when I wear heels. You ever put a dog in like little snowshoes so I can go outside and they kind of shake around and they look awkward. That's how I felt wearing high heel shoes my entire life. It just doesn't work. And uh, let me make sure I'm still recording this show. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I walk into the store and I look at Manolo Blahnik and I got to tell you, they are exquisite shoes. Beautiful. Beautiful. I get it now. I never got it. You know, Sarah Jessica Parker, she was a writer. She lived in a rent control apartment and this bitch was spending $600 on shoes. Uh, I thought, you, you got to be kidding me. Now, I don't spend $600 on shoes. I, I just, even if I had millions of dollars, it is so uh, unethical and crazy to me. I can't. I just, I can't justify it. And I saw shoes that were, I saw fucking, I saw um, a pair of like slip-on ballet flats for like $1,300. $1,300. $1,300. But those Manolo Blahniks are beautiful. The colors were just like the blues and the reds and there is bling on them and bling. Did I just say that word? I'm so embarrassed. There was shiny stuff. Can I say shiny things on them? And exquisite, exquisite shoes. And I looked at the the Louboutins. Exquisite. Painful. I've worn them only once on some commercial I shot. I had to wear Louboutins for a day. And I was suicidal by the end of the shoot day. I wore them for 12 hours and they're gorgeous, but they hurt so bad because your toe is up on, you're up on tippy toes essentially when you're wearing these shoes. At least I was, I, I don't know. I'm probably not doing it right, but my God. And I looked at all these shoes and I looked at the fashion. I saw a feather vest for $30,000. Did you hear that? $30,000. It was a vest with feathers. And I called the the sales lady over and we were just chatting. And I was like, I got to ask you, who buys this? Like, who the fuck buys a $30,000 vest? And she said, well, this is for like uh, red carpet events. It's like celebrities. And I go, oh, now that makes sense. So stylists will come in and pick up these absurdly expensive pieces. And I go, and then what? They wear them and return them the next day, right? And she's like, oh, no, oh, no, no, I, they can't do that. We've seen them on the red carpet wearing them. And I thought, that's so funny because I used to do that all the time. <laughs> when not in Neiman Marcus. When I was on Chelsea lately, I was so poor, so broke that I would go to, I'm not going to tell you what store because I don't want them to know. Uh, I would go to this particular store that was just out of my reach price-wise, just out of my reach. And I would check out clothes like in a library, you know. I would put the clothes on a credit card. I'm so, it was a horrible thing to do, but hey, I was on television, I had to, and I would wear the the clothes on Chelsea, leave the tags on, and then just take them back the next day. (laughs) But I had to, come on, man, I was surviving. I was surviving. So $30,000, and um, I had lunch there, I just had a nice little sandy, and I was just watching people, and I thought, "Why, why am I so uncomfortable here? Why? You know, my brain is telling me that you, you shouldn't be here. You're just Euro trash. You don't come from money. You're not, you're not this person. You're not this identity. And I was just sitting there. And then this other woman comes in, this crazy woman. Uh, first of all, a lot of women at Neiman Marcus, they, from what I observed yesterday, 
or these Beverly Hills um, older housewife types who I think their husbands probably have a ton of money and they uh, they like to spend their day shopping and it's like a way to get out of the house. I get it. I get it. I was doing the same thing. You know what I mean? I was there too. So whatever. But this woman sits next to me and it's like the ghost of Christina Future. She's maybe, I don't know, 80 years old and bitch has blonde hair like me. She's wearing some crazy jackets, some shit that I would like, like Adidas three stripe Euro trash special. She's got bright red lipstick on, bleach hair like me. And uh, and she's talking to everybody like, oh, here I am. Yes. Been a long time since I've been back. Like one of those uh, p- characters, you know, those characters, those people who pride themselves on the identity of a wacky person. I'm the wacky person. The, the woman that at Michael's Arts and Crafts, who always wears purple in the San Fernando Valley. If you live there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, it's the guy with the snake around his neck at the beach. That's this woman. Her identity is, I'm the wacky lady that eats at Neiman Marcus. And um, and sure enough, she was like, I brought my daughter here. She grew up in this store. And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why are you doing that? Don't do that to your kids. No one wants to grow up and even work. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm judging her, of course. And she's saying all this shit. I'm just assuming that she, oh, she's got to be a millionaire, this crazy old woman. And then I hear her talking. She's like, I live in Hawaii. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm listening. I like that. She goes, oh, but I just live in a one-bedroom apartment. And I start realizing, as I'm listening to her talk, that she's not like a richie snobby person she's not what i assumed she's poor like me she's a fucking dirt bag like me <laughs> you know she's just another nut and why why am i judging all these people and why why do i not feel okay at neiman marcus you know i'm entitled to be there like anybody else i'll never buy anything there but i'm I've, i'm entitled you know and I think it's because the ego, your, my mind, and I was just like watching all these thoughts. And I was like, what if I just let go of these thoughts? What if I just, instead of b- believing them and going, you're right, you are kind of a piece of shit. You come from nothing. You don't deserve this stuff. You're not up to par. These people are better than you. Uh, you know, all this, all these thoughts that you think that are kind of crazy I think in the past I would have listened and been like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're fucking, uh, I don't belong here. I got to get out of here and go to Subway instead and have a fucking sandwich. No, 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 no. And I just watched and I laughed at myself and I laughed at the people and I laughed at everything and I had a great day. You know, and I looked at some shiny stuff and it was a fun day and I came home and I felt, I felt good. I didn't, I didn't have to judge my fucking thoughts about everything. You know, you can have the thoughts. You don't just have to judge it and, and shit on yourself so hard. You know, we talk about self-loathing on this show and that that's it. That's the germ of it. That's how it starts, right? I don't belong here because I'm I'm because I am this. I'm I'm judging myself. I am this. I identify with the thought, which is crazy. You know, I was listening to Ram Das talk about something and he goes, you know, philosophy says I think therefore I exist. And I think they got that wrong. He says, I think it's I think and I exist. And I'd have to agree with that now. As I've lived a little more, I think it's I think and I exist. It's not because of thought. It isn't, it's not a predicate to existence. I don't know what the fuck. That's what they say in philosophy. Predicate predicates existence. It's I think and I exist. You shouldn't live for the thoughts, right? The thoughts shouldn't rule. Unfortunately, they do. And getting outside of your head and serving other people is like the big key to it is... Uh, is what is what Michael Singer says, by the way, service. Uh, and if you enter into your business life with an attitude of service as opposed to, you know, I don't want to do this. And what happened in Michael Singer's world, by the way, is that all these opportunities kind of came to him. They found him, right? Somebody says, uh, hey, I want to build a meditation hut for you on this land that you own. And he was resistant. His brain goes, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to... They end up building a hut and then like other hippies come to live. And eventually like he basically builds a commune on his land, which is amazing. But basically that life unfolds in a natural way. And how much of that unfolding are you screwing up by, uh, by the ego, by listening to your dumb mind? 
The mind doesn't always know what's best for you. The mind is just a makeup of the past, what it's projecting into the future, what it thinks it knows. You know, David Hume, uh, old school philosopher, let me, let me just share this one with you. I love this idea. I've been thinking about David Hume, too, for the last few days. Um, <clears throat> so David Hume is a modern philosopher. And I, you know what always bothers me? It's my pet peeve, is that there's a difference between the words modern and contemporary. Modern is an actual period of time in our history. And contemporary means now, right? Of, of the now time. And a lot of people... <laughs> confused too and it just makes me so angry (laughs) okay hold on let me find this shit um but like i said the mind is made up uh it's it's it thinks it knows what's happening and it doesn't and a great way to illustrate this is with david hume so i read a lot of these boring modern philosophers in college i took a whole class on modernity and i this is a cool idea so david hume he says that experience does not tell us much. So that's what your brain does, right? It integrates the past experience uh, and it goes, hey, this is how it was last time. This is how it's going to be this time. And there was an episode I did a million years ago about the Marines to expect the unexpected. Also in a Kurt Vonnegut book, I read that saying, expect the unexpected and whenever possible, be the unexpected. And I know you go, yeah, but my life is the same horse shit every day. The same things will happen. Absolutely. Sometimes the same shit does happen. But sometimes it's just your mind. A, a switching of perception that can change how your whole day goes. I could have ran out of Neiman Marcus and gone, you know what? I don't belong here. But I stuck around and I had a glorious day. I had so much fun. So, okay. David Hume shows us experience doesn't tell us much. Of two events, A and B, we say that A causes B when the two always, always occur together. Do you see how philosophy is written? Jesus Christ, this is a summary I'm reading you. And this is why people don't read philosophy, because it's written uh, like a goddamn algebra problem. If train A leaves a station, nobody wants to know this shit. And it's because it's written like horse shit. Okay, then again, he was writing in the modern period. So, okay. Okay, so there's two events, A and B. We say that A caused B. Because we always notice that the two things occur together. That is, they are constantly conjoined. Wherever we find A, we also find B. And we have a certainty that this conjunction will continue to happen. So once we realize that A must bring about B, it's tantamount merely to do their... Okay, so basically he's saying that just because we've noticed that A and B tend to arise in conjunction... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Just that they arise around the same time. It doesn't necessarily mean a causal relationship. It just means that we observe phenomenon to happen that way a certain amount of time, but it doesn't necessarily mean it will happen again. Okay. Once we realize that a must bring about B is tantamount merely to due to their constant conjunction. We are psychologically certain that B will follow a, then we are left with a very weak notion of necessity. This tenuous grasp on causal efficacy, 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 efficacy. I'm not saying that word right. Helps give rise to the problem of induction. Inductive reasoning is what he's talking about. That we are not reasonably justified in making any inductive. Okay, this is about. This is so fucking retarded. Inductive reasoning is about uh, reasoning that is before experience, right? Based on just logic alone. If I don't, if I recall properly, forgive me if I'm messing up my philosophy. I probably am. But the fact is that just because A happens and B happens and it's conjoined that way, it doesn't necessarily mean that they cause each other, okay? And, I, you know, I'm sure there's some fucking refutation of this argument. I don't know what it is, and I don't care about it right now to go there. But uh, I like the idea of questioning. Does it always have to go down this way? Does it always necessarily mean um, A and B a causes B, and then this shit happens. Not necessarily. And not that it's the actual event that changes. Sometimes it's just your perception of the event that changes. Like Marianne Williamson always talks about miracles. And she says that a miracle is just a change in perception. God, I sound like a fucking lunatic today. The, pro- the point is, I've always, lo- I've always been intrigued by that, and I think it's really, really, really true. It's just a matter of perspective. Um. 
Uh, yeah. How do you see it? All right. All right. All right. There we go. You know, I think that's all I have for you guys. $30,000 vest. Can you fucking believe it? Oh, also, I had this other epiphany this week um, about Neiman Marcus and about the accumulation of goods. Everybody knows, right? It's never the ticket to have stuff. It's just not. And the reason it's not is because there's always another and there's always another. If I have the $30,000 vest, I'm going to want the $50,000. When I get the $50,000, I'm going to want the bigger one, bigger, better deal, always. Uh, and the reason is because it's not satisfying spiritually. I don't know. Is there more happiness in a $30,000 vest than there is a $10 vest? Probably not. I don't know. But, um, you know, there's always that hippie saying, wherever you are, that wherever you go, that's where you are, or something like that, right? Wherever you are. Wait, wherever you are, that's where you are, some fucking hippie thing. And I never understood that. Um, that's saying, hold on, wherever you go, that's where you are, right? <laughs> hold on. It's such a druggy sounding thing. Wherever you go, there you are. And I, for the longest time, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Wherever you go, there you are. It doesn't make sense. And it didn't make sense to me for a long time. And I think I kind of get it. And I, I think that part of it is that there is no a golden ticket. You know? Uh, Charlie inherits the chocolate factory, but now what? So what? <clears throat> so what? Because then there's new drama. There's always something else upsetting you. There's always the next thing. There's always. And it's always a process. You're never going to be completely 100% anything, okay? 100% satisfied in life. That's just not possible. That's not to say you won't be happy. Yeah, for sure. But nobody ever goes, that's it. I'll fall. No more experiences. I'm exactly where I should be. All done. And I think once you really profoundly understand that, like I've really, really understood that lately, that uh, it's, all, it's all there, man. Everything you need is there because that is, that's it. Wherever you go, there you are. Meaning there's nothing else outside of the shit <laughs> you know there's nothing else there's nothing else i remember being um like five months pregnant and my mother had just passed away and i was swimming in a pool in the middle of a day and like and just thinking to myself what what else am i supposed to be doing right now i'm not i'm just supposed to be swimming <laughs> yeah because wherever you go there you are you're you're inhabiting that space same with that Michael Singer book, you know, meditation is a practice that you apply to everything. It's how you do everything. How do you approach everything with mindfulness? Mindfulness means A, don't listen to the chatter in your head and B, try to come from an authentic place versus the chatter in your head because the chatter doesn't know what the fuck. It doesn't know. It doesn't know. It does not know. So there you go. Meditate, kids. Meditate. Go to Neiman Marcus. Spend all your money. Take out a loan. Buy a vest. <laughs> <My best. laughs> fucking feather vest what a ridiculous world what a ridiculous world anyway uh that's been really deep bro i've had a pretty uh deep week and uh i appreciate your emails they make me laugh they make me weep they're very thought-provoking thank you also i would love uh someone out there can you draw can you draw me a tour poster because i will be hitting cities uh in the midwest and on the west coast for a tour in the fall and i need a poster i need a tour poster help me out uh that's deep road podcast at gmail.com if you would like to email me about the poster or about anything else let me know what you want to talk about uh sometimes it resonates sometimes it doesn't with me it just depends on where i'm at because wherever you go that's where you're at right motherfuckers so stupid god did i just say that Anyway, I think I want to go swimming. Doesn't that sound like a perfect thing to do? Let's see. Yeah, I might. I don't know. We'll see. I might just take a shit, take a nap. 
Um, all right, guys. Until next time, that's been Deep Bro, and uh, I love you. <laughs> I love you. That's always what Louise Hay says at the end of her meditation. <laughs> so <laughs> if you listen, I love Louise Hay. Um, listen to her meditation on iTunes. Get the. It's called uh, What I Believe. And a guided meditation. And at the very end, she's like, good night. I love you. <laughs> it's so weird for somebody to say that. Like, you don't even know who, you don't know me. <laughs> Weirdo. You weird lady. But I always enjoy it. I'm always like, you do love me. I love you too, Louise. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just think it's funny that I, I say to you now, I, I love you. It's so fucking weird. All right, bros. All right, bros. I love you. Be good. Be good. Stay black, everybody. Bye. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.